Episode 130, Bonus Edition, Interview with Corey Knight. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. educators this is Gretchen from always a lesson and I'm here to empower you to reach your potential as you know I call you elite because that really describes someone that takes the time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone their craft well today is a special day because we have a guest appearance I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator named Corey Knight. He's got such an empowering message, but before I dive into the interview, let me tell you a little bit more about him. So Corey created the Classroom Tech Made Simple blog, and now it's such a resource to help teachers integrate technology into the classroom with the focus on really benefiting student learning. He created a system that takes the guesswork out of trying to implement technology into your one-to-one classroom, and he's broken it down into easy-to-follow steps to help you and your students in the 21st century classroom. He's really committed to research-based strategies to implement different programs and applications on both student and teacher devices. And throughout his flagship course, he frequently references Webb's depth of knowledge to increase classroom rigor. And so what that does is it categorizes classroom activities into levels based on how complex the task is. And using technology acts as a catalyst to increase the rigor and then promotes the overall success of students. He has a free depth of knowledge technology cheat sheet on his website, classroomtechmadesimple.com. So make sure you go there to help distinguish what apps and programs to use in accordance to each level of the web's depth of knowledge just that cheat sheet alone is going to increase the rigor in your classroom. If you want to know why Corey knows so much about technology, well, he has a degree in secondary education when he became a classroom teacher. He was in urban middle school in Indiana. Almost two years later, he began working on his postgraduate degree in educational technology and curriculum. He was immediately offered a job as a tech coach in his district, but he didn't take the offer because he wanted to stay in the classroom and continue working with students. And during this time, he realized the need for teachers to learn how to apply technology in their classrooms in a meaningful way. And so that's what started the Classroom Tech Made Simple platform. He's still in the classroom today and loves working with students and teachers to just make sure that learning is fun and challenging and rigorous. What's really cool is he's an app distinguished teacher, and he wants to make sure that students are really prepared for the jobs of the future. So he has a wealth of knowledge. He's a great down-to-earth guy. He's got practical tips since he's still in the classroom. So right now, let's just dive into our conversation. Well, hey, Corey, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, good. I call my listeners elite educators, and they are tuning in from around the world. They're just super eager to learn from me today. So I'm going to get right to it if you don't mind. Yeah, let's dive right in. Okay, so go ahead and update everyone listening. How did you and I cross paths? So yeah, the best way that I would explain that is just that I was following you on Twitter, 
and I just so happened to just decided to just tweet you. And I've, I've listened to your podcast before, so I just decided to just send a tweet out and just see if you'd uh, listen to a few things that I had to share about using iPads in the classroom. Yeah, we're going to have a really good discussion, and I'm glad you brought up Twitter because I have met so many amazing educators through Twitter, and I know a lot of folks say, like, I don't get Twitter. And I'm like, no, it's totally easy, but you have to realize it's not the same as Instagram and Facebook. Its purpose is really to collaborate and network, and I think a lot of teachers haven't figured out what that looks like for them. So tell us, how have you been using Twitter for an instance like this, finding another educator to work with? Well, you know, my original intent of using Twitter was uh, specifically to just look up like sports stuff and, and things like that and follow different sports people. This was years ago in the infancy of Twitter. And then I decided to kind of shift gears and I started looking in towards my profession once I graduated college. And it's just so simple to just search a topic, a concept or an idea. And there's so much out there available that you can network and just find different people that are in your uh, same same uh, profession. So it's really been an awesome way to collaborate with everyone. And it really is simple when people say that they don't understand it. It's simple once you just dive into it and just get after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you shout out your Twitter handle in case someone wants to follow you right now? Yeah, so my Twitter handle is just Corey Lee Knight. So it's C-O-R-E-Y-L-E-E Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. Very cool. Yeah, they're going to get on that and be like, okay, you walk me through this because they realize that everyone starts somewhere and it's great to find someone. Maybe they're also a sports fan. And so you guys will have something to chat about. So I'm glad we we talked about that. Um, Tell us, where are you working right now? What are you up to? What are you doing? So right now I'm a seventh and eighth grade science teacher. And uh, it's a little rural community outside of Fort Wayne called New Haven. And uh, so I'm in Indiana. So I've been you know, I was born in Indiana and I've lived here my whole life and I went to school at Indiana University. Go Hoosiers. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. And uh, so that's this where I'm at now. And I've kind of recently uh, started then, you know, getting involved in the ed tech blogging sphere. And uh, I wanted to make sure it was specific to iPad use in the classroom because at the district that I'm at, we've been using iPads in the classroom for over five years now. So I've seen and heard just about everything right. in regards to iPad use in the classroom. That's amazing. Can I ask you one quick thing? Is why middle school? Those kids scare me. <laughs> yeah, it's a the be the teacher at the middle school level. It is a definite uh, challenge every single day. But you know what? You know they they love you one minute and they hate you one minute <laughs> later. So it really is one of those things. And then I just didn't like the idea of being in a middle school when I got my student teaching assignment and I was like oh man I got to be in a middle school right and then I learned that it was really is my passion and I just don't see myself going anywhere else this is my seventh year of teaching and I just really really enjoy it every year it just keeps on getting better well good we need people like you to do that because I would not sign up I did elementary and I think that is where I need to stay I you know that they start getting into that attitude phase like fifth grade and then they go off to middle school and I'm like oh good riddance like this is not my phase with you and some people say oh I love that you can be sarcastic they get jokes like they're much more interactive would you say you see that same kind of personality shift when you're teaching absolutely you know the biggest thing that I always share with other teachers is that building relationships from day one Um, I always consider myself one of those teachers that is really good at building relationships and that has paid off so much in the long run that it is just I have these relationships with these students and I connect with them and I know things about their personal life and that really lets them 
feel that they can trust me and then they in turn will learn from me. Yeah, I agree. And I think some folks that are listening say like, I don't have time to build relationships. So what would you say to them? How can we also hit the curriculum, right? But take the time to really invest in our kids and get to know them. Right. That's just one of those things that I feel like you have to do from the beginning. And if you just put forth, you know, the first week of school, you know, the the beginning of the year, just putting forth the effort just to learn their names and learn something about them, it's going to pay off dividends way down the road in the, in the, you know, the middle of the school year. So I would say just, you know, take that time so that you can build those relationships because it's going to pay off huge in the long run. Yeah. As a teacher, would you say, you know, the best lesson you learned is building relationships or is there something else along the way you realized was pretty big lesson? Yeah. You know, I had something that was one of the things that I didn't really do very well. I always had this like fine dividing line where between me and students and I didn't really want to get involved with their, their personal lives. And, you know, but I found that I had a teacher who later on became one of my mentors and he just was, I was able to just see him teach and I saw how he was interacting with the kids. And then I saw how they had learned from them. And I found out that they were just so willing and they just had this strong desire to learn from this teacher. And I wanted to emulate that. So that's kind of where I learned. So it's just one of those things where experience is the best teacher, even to me. That's something that they really don't teach you that much in college. They mm-hmm. talk about it, but you got to get your own, find your own path and you just kind of take your own, own route and you just go with it, you know, with the experience that you get. Yeah, that's some good advice. I'm sure you've worked with other teachers and even thinking about your own journey these last few years, what characteristics would you say makes an educator great? You know, I think that the best thing that I would give to, you know, advice to any educator is just that ability to adjust and be flexible. Uh, That is going to be the biggest thing that I would suggest to anyone. And just having that ability to see a teachable moment and then capitalize on that opportunity. That's something that takes experience. And once you see a teachable moment, then you know that you can capitalize in on it at any time. Mm -hmm. So those are two things. I would also add that, you know, at this time and age, you know, it's, we got to make it relevant to our students. And I've learned that with middle school. You know, one of the things that I like to do is to incorporate social media as in, you know, maybe you're creating, having your students just create a hashtag to summarize what they're learning that day. Or I've had students in the past maybe create an Instagram post from a historical figure or maybe a scientific discovery that was made. You know, what would it look like if these individuals who made this discovery, what would this hashtag or this Instagram post or some sort of post from social media to make it relevant to these students? And that's just been a really it's just paid off so much uh, just by doing that and making it relevant to my to my students. That's super fun. Oh, my gosh. I bet they love that. Yeah, you know, I first started thinking about this. We were on a trip in Washington, D.C. some years ago, and I saw um, at one of the, the one of the Smithsonian museums, I saw uh, it was like a display about if someone were to be at the Civil War, if they were uh, to have a Twitter feed. And I saw that they were like a Twitter feed, and the, they were making that connection with uh, the Telegraph and how it was kind of very similar to that way. And I was like, wow, that's such a cool idea. This was probably back in 2012. And it just kind of stuck with me. And that was something that I just carried, a learning experience that I carried from that trip back home with me. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And I know we're kind of on this advice train right now, but we've got a couple different types of teachers that listen. And so I did want to give you a chance to speak to them. We've got new teachers, 
some in transition, maybe going out of the classroom or just moving up to a leadership role. And a lot of them are really honestly in a moment of distress. Things just aren't going well. Um, and then a bucket of teachers I work well with are teacher leaders. So out of those categories of teachers, if you were to pick any one of them to speak to for just a second, what piece of advice would you give them and why? You know, I would say don't be afraid to fail. We are conditioned that failure is a bad thing. You know, we see that F on a paper maybe in school. You know, maybe we saw an F on a paper in college. But we're conditioned that that's a bad thing. And I would argue that it's only a bad thing if we don't learn anything from that failure. So that's one of the things that we really need to just embrace is that failure. Whether you're using a new technology for the first time or you're trying something different in the classroom. I mean, we're going to have times where we fail. Uh, you just need to understand that that's going to be a struggle in your career, and you just need to learn from that. And then the last piece that I would add to that is to celebrate successes, no matter how small, whether it's with your students or whether it's with yourself. You know, one one thing at a time. You know, celebrating those small successes. My wife is a therapist, so that's something that she has definitely taught me, right. and that she always talks with her uh, clients about. Is you know these small successes. You know, these small little building blocks. It's really going to be. Uh, one of the beneficial things to getting you to that end goal. And I think that's realistic. We're going to have highs and lows and to acknowledge both ends of the spectrum. I think that's that's really solid advice for, for anyone listening. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about just being a learner. So you yourself as a learner, how do you continuously learn? Is there a mentor that you go to? I know we've been talking a little bit about Twitter and making connections there, but is there someone in your life that you go to to lean on for advice or just, you know, to make sure that you're constantly improving in your craft? You know, I'd say that it's a combination. It's not just one sole mentor. You know, with how closely related and closely we are connected through social media. I mean, it's so many colleagues out there that I've worked with or people that I haven't worked with, but we share the same similar interests. Those are the mentors that we have and we all support each other. And so that's something great like your website or your podcast. You know, you have you've had episodes in the past where you're talking about how to build people up or, you know, one of your episodes in the past talked about building relationships after they've been broken with mm -hmm. colleagues and just small things like that. I mean, we're so connected. So I would say that, you know, between the colleagues that we have at work or online and even my family members, my wife, she's a therapist and she works with middle school kids at a different school. And she has helped me tremendously because we're able to coordinate and talk about some of the similar issues, mm -hmm. maybe not so much academic related, but maybe with like the home life. And we're able to make those connections and talk about it and how we can benefit these students and not just their education, but benefit them as a whole. So it's just a combination of everyone who's a mentor. And I, you know, like I said, with the internet and the way that the social media realm has taken off, it's made it so easy for us all to connect. So I never, you know, before I never would have met you before Twitter right. ever. Yeah. So I'm just happy that we're able to connect that way because we share those similar interests. Exactly. And I think what you're saying is so true is at the root of what we do as teachers is connect with people. And we had to remember we're in the people business first and all that academic stuff comes next. And so to be able to lean on your colleagues, lean on your students, lean on, you know, your family and friends, I think that's all so important to be able to know how to talk and relate and share whatever's going on because it's it's going to bless somebody else. Everyone has something to contribute, even though you might think, like you were saying, you and your wife have a different profession, but there are similarities. They There is some common ground there that you can share. So don't 
not connect with someone because you're thinking, oh, they don't have anything to give to me or I have nothing to give to them. Oh, absolutely. And I think the big thing is, is just to, if you're feeling, you know, you talked about someone in distress, if they're in transition or whatever the path that they're on is to just reach out to someone because most likely those people that you're reaching out to have probably seen it or have been in a similar situation and they've got great advice for you, whether or not, you know, you need it at the time, they're going to be able to, to help because, you know, teachers are an, a tight knit group of people. So that's one thing that we have going for us is mm-hmm. that we're so closely connected. Yeah, we keep talking about social media and things. Is there any other way you kind of keep up to date and what's going on in the field of education? You know, I'm I'm a huge uh, podcast listener, and that's one of the things. The thing is, is that there's not that many education podcasts out there, and I'm thinking that, you know, some of those voids need to be filled a little bit because, you know, there there are some really good podcasts out there, but, you know, in comparison to everything else, that's one of the ways that I try to keep connected with people is in and you know keep connected with what's going on in education but basically it's just twitter and podcasts is all i really have been utilizing on social media to just stay up to date on things that's very cool do you listen to any non-education related podcasts oh absolutely i really like the uh, business podcast uh like you know i come from a family of entrepreneurs and i'm the i'm the educator so (laughs) i'm a little bit a little bit different you know of a mold but i really have that entrepreneurial spirit within me and you know I come from that family and that's my background so I really like listening to those I listen to uh, how I built this the NPR podcast it's mm-hmm. a really good one um, I really enjoy that one and I'm also a uh, avid Pat Flynn follower mm-hmm. I don't know yep. if, you're, if you're familiar with him but mm-hmm. he's got a lo- lot of good content out there and uh, I was actually on one of his podcasts once and I was really proud that I was on that for congratulations a yeah. yeah it was it was cool <laughs> very cool uh, I know we wanted to get to the meat and potatoes of our discussion tonight is on iPads in the classroom. So let's just go there. Tell me what has gotten you. I know you mentioned you had been using iPads in the classroom for a while, but tell me why you feel so passionate about this tool. Okay, so it all starts from a story that uh, we were, it was, was, this had to be the first or second year that we were using iPads in the classroom. So I think this was about 2011, 2012. And what happened was, we all had these iPads and, you know, I came from a district that we were one of the first in Indiana to adopt a one-to-one iPad technology. Mm-hmm. So I had experience in uh, maybe in college with with iPads and using them, but nothing like this. And when we all got these iPads, what happened was is I found it to be very difficult to keep them engaged because they had so many opportunities to get off task because now these students had this device at their fingertips and it had pretty much endless possibilities. You know, that was regulated. Obviously they couldn't be searching certain things, but they still had access to maybe games in the app store and you really had to hit that home. So I got so frustrated when this was right before Christmas break. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I got so frustrated that I had all of my students put their iPads and they stacked them on the front of my desk because I felt as if I couldn't trust them. And that was kind of that like moment that was later on when I reflected upon that and started thinking about it. And I, I just knew right there that that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Right. And so what happened was, is I can remember going home and talking about it at my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with her about this and I said, you know, starting next semester, this was probably in December. I said, next semester, I'm going to be using these iPads and I'm going to use them 
to benefit student learning. I don't really, you know, I feel like I had the opportunity, you know, I was the young teacher at the time and I felt like that was my unique position where I could, you know, forefront these iPads in the classroom. And that's when I really made the decision just to be that forefront with iPad use in the classroom. And I kind of just started going, pushing forward and I just haven't looked back. So eventually I went and got my master's at Ball State University here in Indiana. It was all online and it was in educational technology and curriculum. So, you know, as that was kind of the journey where I've taken. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be at a district where we had sufficient training. Right. But I found that that we had excellent training, in fact. But teachers kept coming to me with these questions about how to use iPads in the classroom or what they what apps they should be using or they just had simple technical questions that I could answer. So what happened was is I decided to just create a website because I had all these teachers coming to me so I felt like that was the validation of the idea that I had to help teachers use iPad technology in the classroom. So I created a website and an online tool where I write blog posts, you know, similar to what you do and I've got different things for, you know, teachers to learn how to use different apps and different online tools in the classroom. And it really has been a, a pretty good success. This has only been, I've only started this since about July or August. So it's really has been um, a fun experience and it's well received. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I were one of these teachers, there's two problems here. It's either you don't know how to use an iPad, right? And all its capabilities or two, you don't know how to incorporate it into your style of teaching. And so what would your advice be for someone that's really like, okay, I, I know how to use an iPad, but I really don't know what this looks like in my classroom with maybe my more formal style of teaching. And I don't really want to let go of, you know, my control. What would you say? So I would just suggest the teachers and I'm not going to claim that I made this quote up, but every master starts as a disaster. So that's mm. going to be a good starting point mm -hmm. for someone is that, hey, you know, you're we all start somewhere. And usually we are probably going to be a disaster before we become a master at whatever craft that we're trying to do. So that's something that I would suggest to everyone. You know, I was in that same position where I didn't know how to do this. And I just made that decision, that conscious, mindful decision to utilize this iPad technology. So that's one thing that I would suggest. And would you say you do a trial run with colleagues the day before or just do it with your kids? And if you mess up, that's one way to build relationships. Absolutely. Either way is going to work because I've done trial runs with different people. And I've also had epic failures in the classroom with technology where it has absolutely ruined my lesson completely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that if you can just laugh it off, especially with middle school kids, they're going to just see that as something that's it's a relationship builder. So it's going to happen. What are some cool things that you're seeing teachers do with the iPads in the classroom? So there's a lot of really cool apps and there's a lot of cool online tools that are out there. The one thing that I try to do is that they are all scratching for our attention. Everything is saying that it's the next best thing that you're mm -hmm. supposed to be using. It's there's so many out there. It's it's it really is overwhelming. If you've ever gone online and tried to search up a certain app or online tool, you go down like five or six different rabbit holes and then all of a sudden you're on something completely different than what your <laughs> original intent was. And this is kind of the beauty and kind of the harmful part of the internet because sometimes it can lead to some some of us being unproductive, myself included. 
So what I've tried to do is try to narrow it in on all apps and online tools that I use. And that's what I share out with my audience and what I share out with other people. But one of the cool things that I really, to answer your question, one of the cool things that I really like and I really like seeing is there's some new apps out there and new parts of uh, Quizlet is a great app and yeah. online tool. And mm-hmm. the Quizlet live feature has made the engagement piece in my class so much better. These kids are begging for it. And there's an incredible amount of collaboration that's happening with Quizlet Live. If any of your listeners have used it, they know exactly what I'm talking about, that this is a huge engagement piece. And, you know, when when your administrators come in and to evaluate you and they see how engaged and the collaboration piece, it's going to make you look great. And these kids are learning from it, too. So that's something that I've seen and that I've shared out with. It's a very simple easy way to do it. You know, you create your account and you find a a slide deck and then you just go with it and you press the buttons and these kids know exactly what to do after the first or second trial run and then they know exactly what's going on. So that's something really cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. And would you say most teachers that were apprehensive to start come back to you and say, oh my God, it was the best feeling. It went great. Yeah, you know, they there it is. It's always well received. So that's really cool. Another thing that I really like to use, there's some really great paperless classroom apps. Mm-hmm. One specific one specifically is Shobi. And that's just it, it really has changed and transformed my classroom. You know, I can't tell you how many times I hate just going to the copy machine. One, because that thing is always broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always. Always. You can always count on that thing being broken for one reason. Because teachers that, you know, they may not fill the paper back up or they may just see that it's broken and that oh, they just leave it because they got to go to their class and then it's broken for the next person. Mm-hmm. So Shobi has really transformed my classroom because now all of a sudden I don't have to make those copies. I can put it on Shobi. My kids know exactly what to do. That's one piece. So another paperless classroom is, uh, app or online tool is Google Classroom. Yes. And it has a lot of those same features as Shobi. So they're all kind of coming on. You know, Shobi was kind of the first one on the scene. But now Google Classroom, and if anyone is using the learning management system Canvas, it has a lot of those same features as Shobi originally started to share out with their users. Mm -hmm. And so do you think that it's confusing to students to know maybe how to document their work when they have to go paper pencil when they're in such like an iPad rich classroom? Or do you think they adjust really well? It's more the teachers that have a harder time. Yeah, I think it is. It can be either one. It just depends. You know, I was, I'm going to reference your article on code switching. Okay. And I think that, that that kind of is kind of something that kind of comes alongside of this is that, you know, you may have a te- they may have a teacher that is using paper pencil and that's fine. But these kids, you got to understand that some of these kids may have a hard time from switching from those classroom norms from one teacher to another. Right. Because when they come to my classroom, they know that they're using their iPads frequently and they know that they better have them charged and ready to go. So that's one of those things that you just got to set the example and set the precedent early. And then I think that you can avoid any situations later on down the road. So in thinking about code switching to get more folks on board in one school building, would you say it's good to have someone like you, a point person who can answer all the tech questions, who can help you think through your lesson? Or do you think it's fine to everyone just kind of figure it out on their own and, and decide if they want to participate? Hey, I think it really is good to have a person in the building. I know I'm fortunate enough at my district where each building has what is called a technology coach, mm-hmm. and that that is their specific role. 
Um, so that's something that I'm pretty fortunate of having. And that's something that our district, once we had these iPads in the classroom, they knew that that was going to be necessary. So that is something that, you know, if they may not have the funds, I know certain districts in the area around here, they may not have the funding for that. So right. what they do is they designate one teacher and they may pay him a little bit extra, him or her a little bit extra in order to accomplish that task of being that kind of lead technology coach in that role. And so let's say I have a coach, I can still access your website and, and find ideas and troubleshooting, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm always available on email and I, you know, I just want to help people because I literally have seen everything with an iPad, you know, whether it's, you know, certain security issues and things like that. I've seen it all in six years of being with iPads. I know what works and what doesn't work. And I really narrow everything down into what I, what works in my classroom. And I just felt like I wanted to share that out with people because there wasn't any online resource because I would rather look at an online resource than ask someone right. because it's just, it's just simple for me. You know, so I'm on, on my plan period. I just, you know, look something up. That's something I just wanted to share out with people. Yeah. And so would you say iPads are here to stay for a while? Like we should just embrace it and learn to use them? Or do you think that, you know, it's going to be any tool, but the, the processes that you're learning and the way that you're learning how to teach with technology is going to, you know, help you no matter whether it's an iPad or something else comes out. Yeah. I think that, whether it's an iPad, a Chromebook, a computer, a laptop, whatever it is, they're here to stay. I had a conversation with uh, someone recently and, you know, they had a, they were talking about how a referendum was passed to, to buy computers. This was back in the 1990s, early 1990s. And someone asked him and he said, hey, do you think that these computers are just a fad or are they here to stay? You know, obviously, we know that they are now here to stay. Educational technology is so intertwined with our school systems. And it really is something that we need to be teaching our students. You know, take for example, uh, a simple task like creating a spreadsheet. Yeah, I tell my students all the time, you know, teaching science, I have a, a lot of data points and stuff that we can record and stuff like that. But I tell my students that probably never in your lifetime at a job will your boss come to you with colored pencils and graph paper <laughs> and graph paper and say, I need you to make me a bar graph. They're going to tell them that they need to enter these data points into a spreadsheet and create a visually rich, you know, diagram that they can right. share to maybe investors or, you know, a board member or something along those lines. So I think that we have to embrace this technology, whether it's an iPad technology or not, we really need to just go ahead and just say, Hey, this is here to stay. And I'm not saying that all teachers need to you know, be forced to use this, they need to be able to use the things that they're comfortable with. And sometimes we need to understand that, you know, sometimes you can be comfortable, you just need to keep on pushing, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit further each year, because when we get complacent in education, that's when, you know, sometimes our, you know, our teaching is, is, is lacking. Yeah, so you got to keep on pushing, pushing yourself. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here, because before our conversation, we were kind of chatting just for a second. And we we're talking about being on a podcast and how different that is of an experience for you and how that actually relates to what you just said about teachers kind of trying something new for the first time. So if you don't mind, would you repeat what you ended up saying to me prior to this call? Yeah, absolutely. So being on a podcast right now makes me more nervous than teaching has ever made <laughs> me nervous because one, I am now speaking to adults instead of middle school students. So now all of a sudden I'm speaking to adults and I feel like there's a lot more judgment going on there than a 12 year old kid. <laughs> You're doing great. 
<laughs> but yeah, the the whole point of, you know, you feel like this is your moment of growth because if it's not hard or challenging, then you're not kind of pushing the boundaries. And, and that's what we're asking teachers to say, like, hey, you don't have to be great the first time you use an iPad in the classroom, but you just got to start. And yeah, you might, you know, fall on your face or make a fool out of yourself or everything goes horribly wrong with technology, but everyone's been there before. It's an opportunity to grow for you. It's a way to build relationships with your students. And in the end, you still get better at what you're trying to do, and that's to teach teachers. And so it's a growing pain, but it's going to be well worth it, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. If you're not feeling somewhat nervous about doing something new, then should know that that's going to be something that's important if you're feeling that that sense of you know slight anxiety there that you know that you're doing something and you're on the right track yeah when you okay so let's talk about how you were before ipads in the classroom and how you are now what would you say is is the biggest difference in your effectiveness as a teacher you know i think that it's just the level of engagement you know a lot of teachers come to me and they're having issues with maybe you know, the kids are off task with their iPads or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I always say is that you got to set the, the precedent early that these things are used for educational purposes. And that's the biggest thing that I've found. And I struggled maybe the first year of using an iPad. But, you know, once I figured that out, the effectiveness of my teaching increased because of the level of engagement and how I made it relevant to students. You know, like I said earlier about there's so many tools out there. Um, I'm going to share one real quick. Yeah. Adobe Spark, any Adobe Spark product is fantastic for making, you know, visually rich diagrams. There's Adobe Spark page. There's Adobe Spark post. And there's Adobe Spark video. All three of these tools are apps and online tools so that you can access them on a website or any, you know, through any browser. And they are really good at engaging students and teaching them about how to make visually rich content because, you know, we always talk about, you know, reading content and stuff like that, how it's, you know, you need to read through these words and things like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. we read things and we engage with content that is visual as well. And a lot right. of us are visual learners. So I try to teach students about how to use those visual cues so that they can start, you know, creating different content related to whatever concept, idea, or topic that I'm trying to teach them. Yeah, that is very cool. I hadn't heard of those, so I'm glad you mentioned And all of these um, apps that you're sharing today, I'll put them in the show notes. So anyone listening, just go to alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast to the latest episode, and you'll see everything there. Uh, I'll have Corey's bio and photo. You can get his social media handles, but then also see all these cool me apps that he's suggesting that way that you can go ahead and download them or try them. Um, And I'm sure he'll agree with me. You don't have to do them all. Just pick one and make that the thing that you're going to be really good at. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you know, the one thing that we don't want to do is just start, you know, doing, you know, 50 different things. You want (laughs) to narrow in on one or two and just go with it. One of the cool things that I do on my website is, you know, I've created just an online course for all of my students. And what they do is, you know, I may give a, a unit on interactive whiteboards and I share out four different interactive whiteboards that I've used in the past. And then I just tell my students, just pick one and run with it. Or I give out, you know, I'm doing, I have a unit specific to flashcards in the classroom. And what I do is I just, I give them three or four and I just say, pick one and go with it because you don't want to be just going, you know, you're going to be spinning in circles because there's so many out there. Right. I think that's great. Um, I know management of this and like rolling out logistics of 
the procedures of, okay, the students come get the iPads, they turn them on. You were mentioning one of your norms is they have to be fully charged. Like all these things have to be thought out beforehand. On your website, is there some list of like, here's the top suggestions of things you should think through in terms of procedures to help teachers? You know, that's one of the things that's in the works because that's been something that has been asked before. Okay. And, and to be honest with you, that's something that I always thought of as myself as someone always already having understood. And a lot of districts that adopt iPads already have their own policies in place. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those things where I kind of, you know, I've kind of hesitant towards because I don't want to be encroaching on anyone else's district policies or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I'm just trying to think of some roadblocks yeah. here for, for oh, that, that that definitely is one because, you know, different, you know, kids, they, they may not come with their iPads charged. And if their textbooks on that, then it's like not having their textbook and you got to come up with some sort of, you know, positive solution for issues like that. And that's something that if any districts out there thinking about adopting devices, whether it's an iPad or a laptop, then that's something that you have to consider. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't even want to think about the nightmare of that. Ah. It, it can be, but you know, one of the things is, is that you just have to roll with it. I had a, I want to say it was uh, a professional development uh, moment where I had the the presenter was saying about how some of these teachers get so frustrated if a kid doesn't bring a pencil to to class. And I get it. Sometimes we get that way. But the thing is, is that, I, you know, I made the conscious decision to take her suggestion and she said, give them a pencil every day because there's there's bigger problems that need to be solved. And it's kind of the same thing with iPads. You know, if a kid doesn't come to school with their iPad charged, I finally come into the point, you know, I have a conversation with them about how important it is. And then what I do is I just lend them my, my charger and I say, hey, there's an outlet right over here. Let's get it charged and let's get after work. And, they, you know, they respond well to that. So if you're just straightforward and transparent with them, they respond well to that. And that goes back to that whole relationship building thing that we talked about at the beginning. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because what I liked about the way you reacted was you still reminded them of the expectation, but then you gave the solution and you were able to move forward and not harp on the fact that they weren't prepared and, you know, now they're going to be behind. It was just like, hey, this is expectation take my charger and let's start. Um, I think that's just a, like you were mentioning about a positive solution. I think that's definitely a great one. So kudos to you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Speaking of kudos, I always like to ask my guests their best all-star teacher moment. Would you share one with us today? You know, I already shared it with you when I talked about how, you know, that moment where I put the, the iPads on the, on the desk and mm -hmm. that just was that decision that I made that I was going to be at the forefront of using technology and using iPads. So, you know, I just, that was that moment where I just dove in and tried to find and, you know, just consume as many resources as possible, whether they were district resources or online resources. Yeah. I just wanted to find, you know, go outside my comfort zone because I wanted to stay in that bubble without using technology because that's kind of way the way that I learned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that was my bubble. And I just wanted, I knew that I needed to get outside of that comfort zone an attempt to use meaningful technology in the classroom and that, you know, while it could have, it was difficult, you know, it's something that I, I truly believed in. And that was something that I knew was a positive, would have a positive impact on students. Yeah. I'm glad that moment happened because here you are and now you're blessing other teachers with your information that you've learned um, on your journey in, in hopes that they can kind of skip over some of the obstacles that you've come in contact with and, 
now even more kids in the classroom are going to be able to have a better educational experience. So um, although it may have been difficult for you in the moment, I'm glad that you pressed through because you're on the other side and other people are benefiting because of that one yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I do like to do is, you know, all the apps and online tools that I suggest all are free. So that's one of the things mm. that was really hard because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, wow, this is great. But then, you know, the the content becomes that you really want to use is, is very expensive. And, you know, a lot of schools are on budget. Right. So, you know, it's it can be difficult. So all the apps and online tools that I suggested my my students and the people, my audience that follows me. I suggest them that are free so that um, they also have those paid versions, but there's something that you can use for free and get, you know, dive right into it right away. So that's something that I really wanted to make it to be clear to all my audience and everyone that, that follows me Absolutely. is that, hey, the, yeah, these are free. Well, Corey, I want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question, and that's how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? You know, I this is a great question. Uh, one of the things that I would suggest is just finding something, what we talked about earlier here, is that finding something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable and it is going to reignite your passion as an educator like no other. I, the the potential that we are, have the ability, everyone has this these abilities, you know, that are kind of pinned up inside of us. And just going out there and getting outside your comfort zone is going to really pay back not only to your students but to yourself by re- reigniting your passion. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to not stay stuck. You could have easily said, eh, you know, that would be nice if I tried that or whatever. But you pressed on and knew that this was going to be great. Um, and that's where the growth happens and that uncomfortableness. Um, so, yes, I'm glad those of you listening, if you're in that moment where you're in a stressful situation or you're transitioning to a new role, just know you've got to get give it a shot. And Corey's a resource that you can reach out to and say, I've got to do something. I've got to stand out. Maybe this is going to be my thing. I want to fall in love with education again and, and finding a tool where you can connect with your students and kind of show off some of your own effectiveness in the classroom would be a great solution. Well, on behalf of Elite Educators Everywhere, thank you so much for your time. Tell us again where we can connect with you. Yeah, you can always contact me. Uh, through Twitter at Corey Lee Knight is my handle, or you can contact me through email, Corey at classroomtechmadesimple.com. Or you can always check us out on Facebook if you just search Classroom Tech Made Simple. I assume that's your website too. Can we go there? Yeah, Classroom Tech Made Simple is my website. Awesome. That's, is that's it just that... for um, your school or your students or everyone else can kind of learn from it? Anyone is, is that is willing and able. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my home my home base. All right. Excellent. Well, you heard it, Elite Educators. Start connecting with Corey today. Thanks again, Corey. We will chat soon. Thank you. Have a great evening. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Wow. Wasn't that an empowering message from Corey? He knows his stuff and he has created an amazing system so easy to use. And he's like your tech support guru. I mean, anytime that you have a question, just email or tweet or Facebook message, whatever, and Corey will be right there to walk you through it. And he's so focused on making sure that what you're doing is what's best for kids, making sure that what you're doing is what's best for instructional best practices. And he's just so easy to chat with and is constantly keeping up to date with all the technology that's coming out. And I know for me, that's so overwhelming. So to know I have my own personal tech support, just uh, a message away is is so 
exciting. So if this is your goal for this year is to incorporate technology more naturally into your classroom and not just say like, oh, I used an iPad today, but, you know, really enhance your instruction, then definitely connect with Corey. Check out his website. I've got all his links to anything you could need in the show notes. You just got to go to alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast, find Corey's episode, and you can click on any link that's there to connect with him. Download that cheat sheet so you can get started today. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Corey Knight. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. (laughs) 